This ad-free podcast is part of your Slate Plus membership. Lucky you. Welcome to this mini episode of Big Mood, Little Mood. I am your host, Danny M. Laffery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Our guest this week is Jules Gill-Peterson, author of Histories of the Transgender Child and co-host of Outward on Slate. And here we are reading a letter from a listener. Would you like to move on to a very simple, straightforward question that we'll be able to answer so fast? So you think, but yes, absolutely. So, okay, folks, the subject line of this letter is gasping for air. Last night, a new acquaintance invited me to her lovely apartment for a nightcap. Immediately upon entering, I was overwhelmed by the smell of cat shit. I kept my nose in a snifter of calvados just to maintain At one point, I was able to encourage her to open a window and light some candles, but the scent of her two cats' business still persisted. She insisted on having me over again for dinner sometime, which I would love to do if not for this feline toilet situation. What is the most polite way to bring her stinky home to her attention? Oof, gasping for air. Listen, listen, listen. That is, that's nasty. And you're a very nice person. I love that you have all the right instincts. You're like, hmm, smells like cat shit, which like famously one of the grossest domestic smells. And you, and like, you were so like- so chic to be like, I'm just going to sniff the cover. I know, you were so nice. You're like, I'm going to put my nose in this trick. I'm going to encourage a window opening and some candle. Like that is really thoughtful. Um, I, I'm glad. I'm glad that you're able to like sort of see, you know, what's interesting or attractive about this person as like separable <laughs> from the home situation. Because like, I don't know, just like as someone with a lot of Virgo in my chart, I'd be like, well, I'm sorry if your home isn't clean. Like, I don't think this is gonna happen. Um, so that's great. I think. I think. I think the most polite way to bring it up is just to bring it up. I mean, you know, maybe like, it's hard to say, like, you know, it's like, I don't want to put you back in that apartment. Right. Um, and so maybe like, don't go back over for dinner as your next hang. Like maybe, you know, like, can she come to your place? Can you go to a different place? Like, can you go for a walk? Like whatever, like, just like, don't go back in that environment, but maybe like, bring it up in person instead of like by text. I don't know. I just feel like it's like not a thing you want in your text history, um, no matter what. Um, And it's not a thing you want, like the three dots to like play a role in, in your day-to-day life. So but I think it's just like a thing to bring up and, you know, of course you can sugarcoat it any way you want. Be like, you know, I'm actually like, I didn't say this the first time we hung out, but I'm like kind of allergic to cats. And like, I'm actually like pretty allergic to their litter situation. So like, you know... I'm um, specifically allergic to the smell of cat shit. Yeah, it's like really quirky and weird. Like unlike most people who love cat shit and want to smell it all day and maybe even like come into I'm contact with I'm not like other it. girls. <laughs> I'm not. I'm actually like really quirky. Um, but you know, like there's ways to do it because I think like 
a new acquaintance. Okay, I'm not going to presume anything about that, but it's like, you know, you don't need to jump into like, look, my moral compass has like a whole section devoted to animal waste, um, right? Like you can just couch it as something incidental um, and preserve preserve this person's feelings, right? I mean, I don't know. Like, I think that's the nice way to do it. I think you could also just be like blunt. I don't think it's weird to be like, yeah, I'm not like really into that smell or just like, actually, sorry, I just had a like, sensory think about it i'm not mad at you i don't know so like you know choose it however you want it's like it's nice to be nice but i also think it's like fine to just be like pretty real about catch i don't know i say that as someone who has like you know two cats in my house right now and like you know you got to stay on top of that i'm not even as good about it as i should be you do and you know I, i really understand why the letter writer feels reluctant because it's never fun to tell someone that their home doesn't smell good. That's very personal. (laughs) Right, it's true. But your only other options are, you know, deny the acquaintance and don't hang out with her again, which you can do. You can always just have an excuse if you would like to. But I I really think that, sorry, but like pussyfooting around is not going to help. So I think you just say, I'm really sorry. There's no fun way to say this. But the smell of cat shit was just so overpowering the last time that I was over that even opening a window and a candle didn't make a difference. So I would love to meet up maybe in a restaurant. And I, she's going to feel a little bad, I yeah. promise you. But that does two things. One is it lets her know that it's like not just a cosmetic issue. Yeah. Um, and Two, it helps you avoid the worst situation, which would be like you go through the distress of like having an uncomfortable conversation with a new acquaintance about how bad their home smells. And then you go over anyways as a test and you have to like be in the moment and and have her be like, and it smells better now, right? And then you're like, oh God, it's better, but not good enough. But then you have to like sit through dinner because you feel like you've already used up your rudeness points. Shit, That's That's the situation I want you to avoid. Yeah. Especially because, like, if somebody thinks my house smells fine and you walk in the door and you're blown away, the likelihood that the next time they try to fix it, it's going to be up to snuff is, like, I say don't take that chance. You're Um, right. You're right. This is a moment to be a little more, I think, like, real about it. And, you know, we are living in this era of needing to talk about indoor air quality more broadly speaking as a society. This is actually a public health issue. It's a public health issue. I I mean, like, you know. For all we know, your acquaintance, you know, was, you know, has toxoplasmosis and is in a totally emotionally subordinate relationship to those cats for which she is, you know, not even entirely responsible, right? But like, you know, regardless of what the situation is, I think that's right. I think if what happens is you sort of like address it and then she's like, oh, totally got you. And then you go back over and it's not actually fixed. Like then you're not going to want to hang out with this person again. And like, now that you're saying that I'm like, okay, fine. That is avoidable, right? Let's, let's just, let's not let, let's not let a litter box get in the way of a budding acquaintance. There's no need, right? It's like, you know, that's just where cats go to the bathroom. It's, it's just logistics. I'm, I'm happy to make just a formal ruling. If you have a cat, you need to be scooping out the litter box twice a day. That's real. Okay, well, I better take that note. Scooping it out twice a day, cleaning it out entirely once a week. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. The the bottom gets like so... I don't know. I don't want to talk about that. Yeah, no, sorry. Just like twice a day and then overhaul once a week. That's the minimum. Otherwise, you will get used to it. Oh, and I will say on that topic, like, you know, I don't know the situation, right? Like, is this an apartment? Like, you know, where are you? Are you in New York? Like, whatever, right? Like, sometimes part of the problem is there's no good, quote unquote, good place to put a litter box um, in a home, right? And like, you know, um, 
And even in a, in a large space, it may still, you know, it's just like some cats, their digestive systems are very powerful. Um, but you can, you know, if it comes to this, right, like the thing that I ended up getting was like a piece of like, you know, nominally cute furniture mm-hmm. that is actually a litter box, you know, furniture thing. And the litter box goes inside of that and doors close and the cats have their own little entrance. And so it's like, that helped a lot, you know, along with the regular maintenance that you need to all be doing. Um, so there are options, right? Like someone can change litter, like whatever, change the food. Like, like we have, we have the technology folks. Um, I mean, there is a, there is a supply chain issue with kitty litter and food right now. So like, I get it. Things are complicated, but like we have the resources, we, we have the knowledge, we can build back better. Okay. We can do this. I'm so jealous that the furniture worked. I haven't had a cat now in a few years because my wife is very allergic to them. But when I did, I had a cat for, gosh, like 15 years. And he if you would put any kind of cover over the litter box, he would immediately be like, I don't recognize this. Yeah, some of them won't do that. It's true. And so it always had to be open. But then I just like, I turned into my grandmother. I would like follow him around the house. And the second he used it, I would be like bleaching down. The, like it would just be like, cleaning everything. I'm like, oh, two specks of sand followed him out. Like it was not. But that's good because I think there's like a larger issue floating around this letter that may not apply. It absolutely may not. But it's a thing worth knowing. Like some people do in fact let their cats boss them around in life, right? Like like you had the reaction like, okay, my cat is like whatever this way, like being absolutely the most about the litter box. So I'm just going to like clean it. Okay. But like some people are like, oh, well, you know, sprinkles. <laughs> Guess my life is fucked forever. And it's Living like, up to her name. Yeah, I know, right? It's like, I mean, I'm so sorry, but like pets, I I don't know. I'm just like, you know, I love my cat. You know, I've been with her a long time. She's my longest, like, you know, functional relationship. But I'm just like, no, she does not get to make decisions about how I live my life. And like, like for example, I had given her, my sister had talked me into giving her wet food recently because she's getting older and like, you know, mm-hmm. she deserves. Um, but it turns out she's very picky. And recently she tried to like stop eating the wet food thinking I would bring her better wet food. And I was like, oh, you know what? The truth is, Beatrice, wet food is fucking canceled. Wet food is withdrawn. Wet food doesn't exist anymore. And now every night at eight o'clock, she stares at me and I'm like, "Mm -mm," because you know what? You didn't play by my rules. You don't even have a job. You don't make any money. You have never paid for one thing in your life and you're very happy. You don't get wet food again until it's like prescribed by a vet. So guess what? You talk to your cat like you're both on dynasty. Oh, absolutely. I mean, well, we do we do have the shoulder pads and the big hair. Now I just want to see Dynasty recreated with you and a bunch of cats. <laughs> God, no, because the odor on set would be nasty. <laughs> they would be green screened in. Wow, we really are, we're going full like cat post cats like the film, you know, T Swift like James Corden um, Eleganza moment. Okay, fine. I think we're ready. Well. Now that we have sufficiently addressed the subject of cats for a day, uh, I'm going to go ahead and take a minute to read an update from a letter writer because I have been getting so many of them lately and they are making me so happy. So thank you and keep them coming. And here it is. Hello, I'm the writer whose letter you answered at the top of your 628-2022 podcast about coming out as non-binary to my family, the one who also has a non-binary sibling. I think most of your advice was spot on. The one piece that I would quibble with it is I am close to my sibling and I defend them fairly often, which looks like correcting my family most of the time when they use the wrong pronouns for my sibling when they're not in the room. And then pushing back, you're right, sometimes gently, when I get the it's too hard line. 
I think in a lot of ways, the boomers in my family see me as the quote translator to younger generations on things like gender. And part of me wants to be available as that resource to them. On the other hand, yeah, they're not making the movement that they should be. Some context on my family. In 2019, my emotionally abusive father divorced my mother. And since then, a lot of the emotional labor of the family has fallen on me. My father was highly controlling, especially to my mother, and she has found it difficult to function without him running her life. My sibling has also been dealing with serious depression for years, so they haven't been in a position to help our mother with the minutia of divorce paperwork or the day-to-day realities of being an adult like filling your insurance paperwork on time and getting the car repaired. I've been in the process of pulling back from doing all this for my mother over the past year. And she's an adult, she's no longer in immediate crisis, and I don't want to take over for my father. And she has sometimes fought me on this with tears and pleas of ignorance and loneliness. This is very emotionally draining for me, especially since I have been coming to terms with all the ways that my mother helped enable my father's abuse when I was younger. The other significant family member in my life is my aunt, who my mom and I are very close to, but my sibling isn't. My aunt has been a real lifeline for me in navigating the past few years, but is definitely in the we're too old to get this non-binary thing boat with my mom. She's my strongest family relationship, and I think most of my fear of coming out around is around her. I do think she would come around eventually, but losing my family confidant, even temporarily, sounds too difficult to bear right now. Anyway, thank you for your advice. I think your call out that I was waiting on the world to change and it wasn't going to hit me hard. I've been hoping that it will just become easier, but that's not realistic anytime soon. Mm. Oh, Letter Raider, thank you so much for letting us know a little bit more both about what the situation has been like and also how you're doing. I hope it didn't feel like a hopeless sort of the world's not going to get easier so much as just if things get easier in your life, it's usually because you take steps in the direction of the things that you want. Um, But all of this, you know, makes a lot of sense. And if you're kind of feeling right now is I'm not ready to lean on these family relationships by coming out to them, that makes a ton of sense to me. And I hope you do find other people in your life that you can come out to and explore whatever non-binariness is going to look like for you in the interim. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like, I, I, I get that. It's, you know, the gap between, it's so interesting. I, I feel like there's this sort of mm, queer, whatever, like boundaries discourse thing about families. That's very like, well, you know, you don't have to do this. You know, it's like, you can actually just withdraw your consent, but the gap between like, you don't have to, and yet you still want to, right. Is something right. that doesn't get talked about a lot. And it's something that you know, I feel like for me comes from like a queer of color, you know, come growing up in in a diasporic and an immigrant like space that doesn't take, you know, the the Western story, the American tale of of homosexuality uh, as the reference point where it's like, well, yeah, sometimes like you're totally cognizant of the limitations and the clash, but the the issue is not actually resolvable, like for one side or the other. And there are reasons that like attachments to family even if they're partially harmful, like, okay, first of all, it's a family. So like, show me one that isn't Um, like where you have to sort of make those weird decisions. And then I think part of the task actually just becomes with living with the contradiction. It's not actually something that needs to be fixed um, or not fixed right now. And I, and I think that that's underrated as an issue. And, and I, and then, you know, it's like, I also come from one of these families. I have my, my sister is trans. And so we have the, like the double, the double, trans like whatever where it's like shouldn't we be able to do this aren't we aren't we human rights campaign poster you know children or whatever and it's like no right it's like on the one hand i think we're living in this era where part in the soapbox but where like you know trans people in particular are like being told well you should 
like form an attachment to and be included within your family as it is. And I'm just like, no, we don't know that for sure. But then neither do we know the flip side that anytime something isn't right, you know, that you have to either have a confrontation about it or resolve it, right? In the way that like a GLAAD media award-winning episode of a limited series would, would tell us that you have to resolve the issue by the end of the season. And I'm just like, no, you don't always have to, right? That itself is an obligation that you don't bear. And I think that like, I mean, I'm just thinking about, <laughs> right, like, okay, you know, your your mother is experiencing life without a, an emotionally manipulative, controlling, or abusive husband, and you don't want to become the surrogate for that person who had a harmful impact on her, right? And, you know, it's like, by the same token, you don't have to become, like, her star non-binary child or your aunt's star non-binary um, relative either. Like there can be other paths, um, but also there can just be things that aren't paths. You don't always have to be walking somewhere, right? You can just be like treading some water in the swamp or close to shore because, you know, because that's what's happening right now. Right. Right. <laughs> like, right. And especially if it feels like my main goal with my mom is to continue to hold the line about not doing these kind of like basic paperwork car stuff for her. And that's taking all of her emotional yeah. energy I am allowed to also come out to her if I want, but for my own peace of mind and well-being, I would like to focus on the first thing first, especially because that sounds really challenging. Like if your mom is calling you with tears in her eyes saying, I don't want to learn how to change my oil. I don't want to remember this. And it's like, on the one hand, you can feel great, you know, empathy for her. And on the other hand, feel pretty strongly like, I am sorry, that's difficult and painful. I cannot be the one who does this for you. So you're going to have to find another solution that's a lot. That's a lot to go through and it's difficult to go through lovingly. And I, I both feel for her and I also really commend you on like, you did that for her for a while and then you were like, and now spread your wings and fly, please. Or find another branch to sit on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it's is very possible. It's it not is. easy to assert that with parents, especially when they're in a space where they're making it clear to you that like they don't want that withdrawn, right? And it's like, what a, you know, it's like, it's never fun. And why does this always happen to queer and trans people where it's like, oh, well, I guess I'm the parent now. Woohoo. Flashes of being six years old again. Right. And it's like, that's not fun. Right. And it, you know, it's not fun for the actual parent either, but it's just like, ugh. you know, it's one of those situations. But if the drama, if the story, the plot of the family right now is the oil changes and the divorce paperwork, then, then, you know, it's, it's fine to like, it's fine to let that season arc play out a little, right? Before season two brings, you know, a non-binary storyline um, to the series of your life, if that's how you would like it to be. Um, you know, they don't even, one of them doesn't even, you know, non-binary doesn't have to be a, a season arc also, right? It's like, it's totally up to you, um, you know, but that's hard. I, I really do feel for that. It's just one of those situations where on the one hand, you're like, why are we still doing this family thing in 2022? And on the other hand, you're like, well, yeah, I mean, how could I even, what, what's escape velocity from that? That stuff yeah. has been forming you from the moment you were born. Yeah. And letter writer, I really can hear the through line here of it's too hard, which like you get from all your different relatives when the topic of like changing pronouns for someone comes up or wrapping your mind around somebody being non-binary. And then it also comes up with your mother around the subject of, you know, taking charge of her own insurance paperwork or her own divorce papers or her own car. So the like kind of drumbeat that you get from a lot of your relatives is this is too difficult. Can you handle this for me? Or can you 
give me a permission slip to excuse me from it. And you're also kind of realizing, gosh, even when I was a child in some ways, I know I think of my mother as a sort of person of who's in a lot of pain now, but I'm also feeling my own resentment or frustration or pain when I think about the ways that she didn't protect me as a child. And then to just think the idea of adding something else to the pile of things that I know they're going to say are too hard to do will really drive home the point that the kind of love and care and reciprocity that I would like from my relatives, they say is too hard. And that doesn't mean they don't love me at all or that they don't provide me with any kind of meaningful support, but that there are real gaps in between what I might want to ask for and what I believe I can get from them. And so, you know, letter writer, it sounds like the thing that really hit you last time was saying the world's not going to get better. So maybe I would just like to kind of hope to focus on at the end of this one. Um, I hope you can find a lot of other places and people in your life that you can get that additional support from and that you can still choose to be in like loving community with your family and accept some of their limitations. And still, as you've already been doing, sometimes you push them on their limits and it sounds like you've been doing that really lovingly and I commend you for that. But I just hope you have other people in your life where you can say, I wish that my mom had protected me. I want somebody to listen to me. I want someone to hear me out and to provide me with support and sympathy and love and and like the spotlight and for those people to give that to you. I hope you get a lot of that elsewhere. So do I. You know, I hope someone in your life changes your oil, okay? Like, there are people like that out there. They will glide perfectly and effortlessly and elegantly through all pronouns, and they will change your oil, and it will change your life, okay? Maybe they'll drive hybrids. Maybe they'll drive electric cars. I don't even know. It's a very exciting time. Jules, you're a very exciting time. (laughs) I'm an electric car. What can I say? It's so true. I thought you were a Capricorn. Hmm. Thank you for joining us on Big Mood, Little Mood with me, Danny Lavery. Our producer is Phil Circus, who also composed our theme music. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash mood to sign up to subscribe or hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using right now. Thanks. Also, if you can, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to know what you think. If you want more Big Mood, Little Mood, you should join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. Members get an extra episode of Big Mood, Little Mood every Friday, and you'll get to hear more advice and conversations with a guest. And as a Slate Plus member, you'll also be supporting the show. Go to slate.com forward slash mood plus to sign up. It's just $1 for your first month. If you'd like me to read your letter on the show, maybe you need a little advice, maybe some big advice, head to slate.com slash mood to find our Big Mood, Little Mood listener question form, or find a link in the description on the platform you're using right now. Thanks for listening. 